Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, folks. It's good to be sharing with you. And um, I really appreciate it over the amalgamation journey, the, the prayerfulness and faithfulness I've seen across the Hills Baptist Church, particularly at Allgate, um, just in terms of the, I find steadfast, faithful people around this, uh, this joint, and uh, it's, a, it's a joy. And um, was it 1970 this church started with 22 members, or late 60s, and I think bought this property in 1973. Uh, I think they offered $10,000, and... Um, the owner said, if you give me $11,500, I'll throw the chattels in and the plates and cups and saucers. So that's what happened back a long time ago. And from this place, the faith of people in this church community has birthed um, a wider movement and a wider um, move of God across the Adelaide Hills. And it's lovely and um, I'm grateful to be a part of that story. Um, now, in one sense, I don't know many of you very well. Um, in fact... I know most of you not very well, okay, uh, but I don't want to sound like a prophet, but I want to say I actually know a lot about all of you. Uh, I know that because of my own human experience as a human being and talking to fellow human beings. I know it as someone who's read and studied the Bible and been in pastoral ministry for more years than I like to think of. Most of these hairs are from church. These grey hairs are from church people, right? When I started in ministry, I had really dark black hair, but that's another. Um, but I know this. I know that, that you have experienced fear and anxiety in your life at different times. Some of you may be struggling with fear and anxiety in your life even now. And I know that you probably will experience that at some point in the future. Because life does that to us. I know that you've experienced unbelief and doubt in your life. And some of you may be experiencing that in this season. Sense you, I don't know what you're up to. Sin. Your own sin. Your own falling short of God's glory. Your own falling short of what God has for you. And I hope and pray that you've experienced the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that comes through Jesus for our sins. And I know that you've experienced hurt. I don't know the extent of the hurt. I don't know how it happened, when it happened. I don't know if you've healed from that hurt or if it's resolved or if you're still hurting now. But I know on the authority of the scriptures from my own human experience, that you've experienced hurt. So in one sense, I don't know a lot about you and I don't know details. But if you're a human being, as the Bible describes, and you are, if you're the things that the Bible says about you, then you've experienced fear. You've experienced unbelief and doubt. You've experienced sin and you've experienced hurt. And there's one more thing I know definitely about you, because Proverbs 19.22 puts it like this. What a person 
desires is unfailing love. What a person really desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar, says the proverb. Don't lie. What you really want, what you really need is unfailing love. Someone to love you unconditionally. That's what I need. It's what I long for. And most of our strivings, our fears, our worries, our troubles as human beings can be traced back to a longing to be loved. A longing for unfailing love. Now, the Bible is many things and it has many levels. But at its heart, it's the story of God's unfailing love. When God delivered the Israelites out of the hands of Pharaoh, you know the story if you've been around church a while, there's like a sea and they had to cross it and Pharaoh's, the armies of Egypt are behind them. The sea opens up and they go through on dry land. When God delivers them and they get to the other side, they sing this song. The song of Moses and the people of Israel, Exodus 15. It is your unfailing love. And through your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. They saw God's unfailing love in their redemption out of slavery from Egypt, out of the enemies that were pursuing them. And this unfailing love in the Old Testament, it's not a love love. It's not just a kind of a love, general kind of love. It's a specific and very particular type of love. I'm not one to kind of ask people to say something generally when I preach, but I just feel I want to do it today. It's chesed. Turn to someone and say chesed. And you just wipe the side of your face there. If you, uh, I don't know Hebrew, but it's a chesed. It's a it's a guttural, and it's a love that it, it's it can be translated as unfailing love, loyal love, kind love, merciful love, gracious love, covenant love, or oath love, love based on an oath. And I thought about it and pondered this. And thought it's love. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. On those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Lord, may your unfailing love rest upon us. Says David. Even as we put our hope in you. Unfailing love, it's what you desire. It's what you need. It's what the people of God desperately hung on to in the Old Testament when they're anything but looking like God loved them. When they were in exile, going into exile, the devastation, the desolation, the carnage of that time for God's people. And they wondered, where are you, Lord? Do you love us? And the prophet Jeremiah, in his lamentation, which is one of the most heart-wrenching books in the Bible, 
if you read the book of Lamentation, the, the, the weeping and the lamenting for all that has been lost, for all that has gone, for all that we hoped for. And he says this towards the end of his lament. Though he brings grief, that's God. Though God brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. His hesed, his love promised ahead of time. And as Christians, we know this love in a way that Jeremiah and the people of the Old Testament never knew and never understood like we get to understand and experience. And that's through Jesus, the Son of God, where this hesed, this unfailing love of God is most powerfully, most gloriously displayed. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15. As the Father, as God the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And how did the Father love Jesus? In many ways, but eternally, in unbroken love. Jesus says, the unbroken eternal love that the Father has for me, that's how I love you. That's how I see you and love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. My command is this. What is it? My command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. How has he loved us? As the Father has loved him eternally and unbroken. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down one's life for one's friends. You, says Jesus, are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command, love each other. Unfailing love, it's what we desire and it's what we need. And the Apostle John, who wrote that gospel where Jesus spoke those words, wrote some letters to the early church. And in his first letter, he wrote this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Unfailing love, it's what we desire. It's what we need. Better to be poor than a liar, says the proverb. It's what Peter, the apostle, who spent three years walking and talking and eating with Jesus and watching him work, being so close to him. And he's writing to the early 
fledgling Christian communities as they're surrounded by a powerful pagan empire that is beginning to pressure them and exert power upon them to cease their proclamation and their confession that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. And they've seen their fellow members put to death, have their possessions confiscated and their lives torn asunder by their faith in Jesus. And Peter writes to this minority community in the Roman Empire. And he says, and I'll I'll just go through a few things he says in that letter. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth that is in Jesus, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Where's he getting this from? From Jesus. From the Holy Spirit. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Above all, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. We all know this, right? If love were easy, we'd be doing it all the time. But it's costly, it's difficult, and it can be painful. And Jesus, just before he would go to the cross, did something so profound and so deeply moving, as much as the cross was profound and deeply moving, just before... The Passover festival, John 13, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. I love this phrase, this verse. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That faithful love promised in advance. And he will love us till the end. The Son of God, pure And perfect, sinless and faultlessly obedient to his heavenly Father, stoops down in the dust, taking the form of a slave, the role of a slave, and washes our dirty, rebellious, stubborn, proud, defiant and devious feet. A hush filled the room. The disciples were breathless. And then Jesus, as he stands up and puts his garments back on the towel over his shoulder, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said this, Do you understand? What I have just done for you. Do you understand what I have just done for you? You call me teacher, rabbi, and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And to be frank and honest, I've sat a bit with this passage this week and it's broken me sometimes. I've just had to weep and think of Jesus, the Son of God, stooping down to wash my dirty feet, your dirty feet. And it's broken me. The the Hesed love, the unfailing love, the humble love, the gracious love. This is God. This is God. This is God in the flesh, the perfect, sinless Son of God. And he takes the form of a slave and washes our feet. And it's broken me. When I was a younger student minister uh, back in the late 90s, I went on a deputation to Tasmania for two weeks. I was studying with Church of Christ Theological College in Melbourne and um, they took some third or fourth year students down to visit churches and tell them how wonderful the college was and how they should come to Bible college, that sort of thing. It was cheap labour, really, for um, for the college. But we went. It was a free trip. Food was provided. Um, food was provided, and we um, we had a session in Hobart, the Hobart, Hobart Church of Christ, and I had to lead that session uh, one Saturday morning. This group of people there, and um, my my session was on Matthew six on the Lord's Prayer, particularly on this passage. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So far, so good. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, that's difficult. And so I'm teaching on this. I'm a young Bible college student, so I know everything. Um, I've been at college for three years and I'm there to show them my outstanding knowledge of the Bible. I may have even pulled out an odd Greek word and... uh, I was very confident in this. This is what it says. This is what we should do. Then we had question time. It's about 1998. And a few questions came. And then a, a man at the back kind of of the room, uh, an older man, um, asked a question. And he put his hand up. His name was Keith. And he said, Nick, I hear what you're saying. I know the scriptures. And I want so much to obey that. But I want you to know it's very hard. It's very difficult. And so I'm, you know, engaging with Keith and going back a little bit in conversation. And the room kind of went a bit silent. And then as we're going and as we're driving off, the principal of the Bible college, just as we're driving, I says, do you know who that was? I said, no. And he said, that man's name was Keith Moulton and he had a daughter whose name was Nanette and he had two granddaughters who were called Alana and Madeline. And if you know the story of Port Arthur, Nanette and her two daughters were gunned down that day. Keith was serving as a kind of honorary pastor for the community down in Port Arthur where he lived. And I remember feeling sick (laughs) and I said, did I handle it okay? And the principal said, yeah, you handled it fine, don't worry. 
But I remember thinking later, what sort of love does a person need who's working through how to forgive such a terror and such a wicked act? What sort of love does a person need to begin to do that? And it's unfailing love. It's, it's love that comes from outside of you into you from another place, from another source, because you can't have that within yourself. You can't know that sort of love. And so Keith was on that journey. They're supporting that community as their pastor through that horrific and dark time. And in 2016, they had a memorial, the 20th year anniversary for uh, the families of those who lost loved ones at Port Arthur. And Keith said this, he, he continued to take family members to the site over the years to help them reconnect and, and revisit that pain and that trauma. And he said that coming back is important for those affected by the tragedy. And this is what he said in 2016. When they come here, that's the families who lost their loved ones, and see it on a nice day when it's quiet, they've won their battle. But I wear a scar for this place and there is a big scab on it and every so often that scab gets kicked. I carry a scar and I know I'll carry it the rest of my life. And as I thought about that and reflected on those words, I thought it's easy to doubt love when it's just words. But it's hard to doubt physical scars, both for our pain and for love. And Thomas the, the Apostle said in John 20, as they told him Jesus was risen, he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. It's too hard. I can't believe Jesus is gone. I can't risk putting my faith in this if I'm going to be disappointed. And the risen Jesus hears this prayer, and he appears sometime later, a week or so. The disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked... Because they were afraid, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop and believe moment but it seems distant or far maybe you're stuck in fear or unbelief or sin or hurt listen to the words of Jesus stop doubting my love and believe my unfailing love Peter who watched Jesus in his darkest hour as a coward who ran away when Jesus needed him most he ran away like a coward and abandoned his friend. He wrote this in his first letter. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. 
by his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your lives. So yes, I don't know many of you very well or the details of your lives, but I know that Jesus offers you unfailing love. Unfailing love. Love promised ahead of time. Love that's with you now, but promised ahead of time. And it's his gift for you to receive. Let me pray. Lord, we want to thank you for your unfailing love. We want to thank you for your hesed, your love promised ahead of time, your faithful covenant love. But Lord, we want to acknowledge this is a costly love. It's not a love that's cheap or easy. It's a love that costs you your life, a price you were willing to pay out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Here is love. Here is love flowing like a river. Here is love. Lord Jesus, we are your people. We are your lambs. Sometimes life gets complicated and complex. Sometimes things work out in ways we never expected or don't understand. Father, I pray for our dear friends here, for myself, for our church community, Lord, where we are fearful, where people are fearful and anxious. Bring the, the gracious peace of your love to our hearts. Lord, where we are, we are unbelieving or doubting, Lord, pierce our pride as we see the scars in your hands, as we see the wound in your side, as we hear you on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Father, when our sins overtake us, when we're overwhelmed with guilt or shame for our sins, speak your faithful love. That if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, where we hurt, where we are hurting now, Lord, bring the healing balm of your love to comfort us and to say, all will be well. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.